0: Hello everybody, welcome to Won't You Be My Rabbi. I'm Laura Lebo and I will be taking you on a journey through a sea of rabbis. It's a gentle sea with few concrete answers and a lot of long stories disguised as short ones. a podcast where i chat with rabbis of various jewish denominations to see what they can teach me about life ever since i got sober in november of 2019 i've been nudged to indulge this feeling that i've always had which is that there's magic in the universe and i'm allowed to uncover it i've always been a pretty spiritual person but i've always denied myself the experience of enjoying that part of myself because I identified as fiercely logical and scientific and logic and science couldn't explain some of the things that I was feeling. But for a while now, my gut has been telling me to look for something more and my gut is relentless and annoying just like me. So I've decided to indulge her. So together, she and I are going to see if any of these rabbis can help us filter this spirituality through a particular religious lens that makes sense for us. On this episode of the podcast, I spoke with Rabbi Boris Dolan who is a reconstructionist rabbi currently based in Montreal. Boris touched on something that resonates with me more than any other thing that any of the other rabbis said about God, which is basically about God really being within people. I really love people, even when I don't like people. I think people are really incredible. I think the fact that we're also really awful sometimes is what makes some of the incredible people really incredible. It's incredible that we don't constantly indulge our base or instincts. It's incredible that we constantly transcend the temptation to get wrapped up in our own ego. And that we're often able to put the spirit of the collective before our own self-interest is incredible. And it makes me love people. And it makes me think that of course God lives in people. And this principle seems like a very important tenet of Reconstructionist Judaism. Of all the rabbis from all the different denominations that I spoke with, Rabbi Boris felt to me the most in line with my understanding of let's call this thing God. This is what I've been thinking a lot about lately. To me, it's meaningful that there seems to be some innate mechanism within humanity that makes us seek a higher power. And a lot of the time when I say this to people, they say, well, that is our fear of death. That is our need to try and make sense of something that you just can't make sense of. Or there's some sociological or psychological explanation for it. Or there's even in the hard sciences, some explanation for why we seek God. And that doesn't change things for me. The best way I can explain it is that When you fall in love, there's a physiological response in your body. Uh, You have higher levels of dopamine, of uh, norepinephrine, and you can list off all of these things. And then you could take that list to somebody who's never been in love and explain it to them. But they won't really understand because love is greater than the sum of those parts. The experience of love is an experience. It transcends those physiological responses. It transcends the scientific explanation. And so I don't care why we feel that way. I don't care why so many cultures have found the need to seek meaning or seek higher power. I think the fact that we do seek higher power in and of itself is what's holy, whether some otherworldly God exists or not. And talking to Rabbi Boris, I felt like he understood that and I felt like that's what it means to reconstruct judaism that judaism is in humanity that judaism is in people and so i have to say there is something about reconstructionist judaism that just feels so right for me to the point where i started looking into joining a reconstructionist congregation in toronto so with all that being said let's just get to the conversation here is rabbi boris
1: Rabbi? Rabbi Boris? Rabbi Boris is fine. Okay, right on. Never last name. Pardon me? Never do the last name in, in, in our community.
0: No, that's too formal. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. um unless it's just the last name and then it goes over to being informal again, there right. You go. that's right, right <laughs> So is it true that you play the banjo? Is this true?
1: I do. I've been trying for my whole rabbinic career to find a way to weave it into more than just a, a talent show here and there, but I do yes.
0: is music a a big part of your life?
1: Yes, so you know when I lead services, I'm always playing I always have my guitar in front of me uh, it's It's a very important part of my life, and I actually think you know is one of the ways that I First became interested in Judaism was through the music, but not Ooh. not necessarily the banjo, but definitely yeah, through the music.
0: Through uh, Jewish music,
1: that's through yeah. religious music.
0: I um, and no part of me for I don't want to lead you, but I find that I personally, uh, my the closest connection I ever get to, uh, like a religious experience or like a slightly transcendental experience. Um, is usually through music. Yes. And I'm wondering if you ever feel like connected to God specifically through music.
1: Oh, very much so. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that that maybe we can get into is the, the different ways that, especially in the Reconstructionist movement, people find that sense of godliness, that sense of holiness. Um, and, you know, I, I think I definitely, music is something that allows me to connect more deeply with the words on the page, with ideas, with ways of seeing Judaism and ritual, Um, And sometimes it definitely, you know, during services on a Saturday morning when I'm singing a song, you know, pre-pandemic times with the congregation in front of me, um, you know, I don't necessarily always find myself consciously thinking of the words, but I'm thinking beyond the melody and just that experience of being together. So, yeah, transcendental, if that's what you want to call it. I I definitely connect in that way.
0: Right on. Um, While we're here, uh, give me a little brief overview uh, of what it means to be a Reconstructionist Jew, as if I were like a child or a, du- or a dummy.
1: So yeah, when I was studying to be a rabbi, our final test was what was used to be called the elevator speech, then the cocktail party speech. Right, yes. So two minutes or less, although I think as I've gotten older, I seem to do at least three or four minutes, So, we'll see what I can do. So, you know, I think one of the things to, to note, uh, Reconstructionism was the first of the four major denominations that uh, was created outside of Europe. Um, So, you know, the founder moved to New York City from Lithuania and encountered something entirely different. So he saw, you know, that the Judaism of old simply couldn't work in the new world, in a sense. So that's, I mean, I don't want to go into the history, but that's an important idea that the way we live as Jews today is so entirely different than, you know, our our boobies and zadies and our ancestors. Um, And it means that, you know, we have to find a way to hold on to the traditions but not give up on who we are inside and our values and everything else that really matters to us. So what that means is, you know, well, the catchphrase that he uses is Judaism is the evolving religious civilization of the Jewish people. Um, uh, So what that means is we acknowledge first and foremost that Judaism has always been evolving.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, You know, the Judaism of 500 years ago cannot be the Judaism that we live today because we live in a different world. Women are treated as equals. You know, We have so many other uh, parts of our society that just simply function differently. So Reconstructionism fi- tries to find a way to deeply respect and honor the tradition, the rituals, the language, the culture, everything that goes along with that, the music, yeah. the food, uh, and also not give up on the reality of how we live our lives. So what that means practically, and this is what's most important, Reconstruction synagogues are filled with people who, a very diverse group of people, some who might've been raised more Orthodox. We have what I call devout secular Jews who come every week to Shabbat services, but are purely secular in belief and practice. Uh, We have people who primarily connect culturally with with the ideas of Judaism. Most importantly, we always discuss and learn together. There's no, I'm not the rabbi who says, this is what you need to do because this is what the Torah says. I say, let me teach you, We can learn together, and then as a community, we can come up with what we do as individuals and as a community. For me, it's the only way I could see myself being Jewish.
0: Yeah, this is very appealing to me. So, uh, as Michael said, you are our second uh, conversation. And, um, you know, I I spoke to a a rabbi yesterday. He is uh, part of the conservative denomination. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, he said that his own personal beliefs were sort of similar to what you're saying, which is that like it's uh, it's driven sort of it's driven by the congregants. It's driven by the Jewish people. There's not as much of like a power disparity, if you will, between yes. rabbi and congregants. Um, but it sounds like here it's maybe baked into the movement, which is very appealing to me because I I would say that I identify as a cultural Jew. Very deeply. I'd say it's probably, maybe, it's between Jew, woman, and comedian for the top three things that I would identify as most strongly. In that order? They It flips <laughs> around depending on the hour of the day.
1: Oh, I know how that goes.
0: You know? Um, and th- to be honest, the older I get, the more I, moved, I move a little bit towards the, the religious element. But um, I do think there's, especially like mm, young people, and by that I mean anyone under 40, I think uh, a lot of young... Almost
1: made it. I guess I'm not young.
0: (laughs) The the very young under 40. And then you have your 40s to 60s who are like teenagers. Ah. And then you have your 60 pluses and now we're getting into adults.
1: Okay, I feel much better.
0: But I think, you know, like a lot of my friends, I have a lot of Jewish friends and they're deeply Jewish, but they're secular. They're not religious Jews. Yes. And um, I wonder, like, do you think... I I asked the same question yesterday because I'm very curious about it. Do you think that uh, the culture of Judaism is completely tied to the religion of Judaism whether we see it or not like do you think that the things we would we would associate with Jewish culture even like Jewish media comedy all that kind of stuff do you think there's a lot of ties to the religious elements.
1: So Reconstructionism sees that as a core of of what it means to be Jewish. And it's it's interesting. You've already mentioned the word religious multiple, multiple times since we started talking. So, I mean, notice again what, you know, Mordechai Kaplan, the founder of the movement, what his catchphrase is, the evolving religious civilization of the Jewish people. So religion, I mean, I'll get to the culture in a second. The religion means that we're constantly searching for something. You know, uh, someone maybe who believes in a supernatural God as the core of how they function, they're searching for this God above, or some would say, you know, a supportive God, a controlling God, a God that is, that is, that wrote the Torah in in, in the literal form, you know, all these different ways of searching for God. Religion, from our perspective, means searching for something beyond ourselves that we don't necessarily understand. But civilization, which is the core in fact, Kaplan wrote a book in the 1930s called uh, Judaism as a Civilization. And he said it means the, cu- the culture, all aspects, the food, the music, the, the language, Hebrew language, Yiddish, all of this is important. And as I like to say, you know, I think this, this seems like it would work for you and for what you, I guess, what you call young people. <laughs> you know, the, the, the if there, there are so many, the more doorways there are into Jewish life, the better. So if your doorway is uh jewish music or culture then i want to do all that i can to make sure that that doorway is as meaningful and relevant and powerful and interesting as it can be but you know your neighbor down the street might say you know what i i hate jewish food music isn't so interesting for me but i i feel this power praying to god every day Uh, and for them that's the doorway that they need so our our denomination which we don't actually like to think of it as a denomination, but unfortunately or not, it is.
0: Will you say a bit more about that? Like why, why you don't like to think of it as a denomination?
1: So starting with Kaplan himself, he did not like the idea of creating a new denomination. He said, this is a way of seeing Judaism that essentially has always... He, he felt, which I kind of do too, this is how Judaism has always been. You know, if you imagine you're in Fiddler on the Roof, you're in the shtetl... You know you're not thinking I'm religious, I'm secular, I'm humanist, I'm conservative. Right. You were Jewish, you were Jewish, you were Jewish. And yeah. that Judaism didn't mean you daven 3 times a day. It might have. It meant, you know, maybe you spoke yiddish, maybe you, you you had you were a bit sarcastic at home when you talked to your friends. You you might it might mean you liked Jewish food. And this full picture is what made Judaism. So he didn't like the idea of calling it a denomination. And what happened that I I mostly love this recent change in our movement. A few years ago, Instead of the movement being called Reconstructionist Judaism, which is a noun, uh, it's now called reconstructing Judaism as a, I used to say a verb, but my grammar is not so great. I guess it's a gerund and I still don't know exactly what, what, can I call it a verb? It's close enough for me.
0: Uh, I don't want to feel like a (laughs) damn idiot. What's a gerund? (laughs) A gerund sounds like I, I like an an elder uh, person, yeah, not in geriatric.
1: A gerund. that's it's, it's a gerund, okay. But anyway, so verb gerund, whatever it is. But the point yeah. is, when you are always reconstructing Judaism, it yeah. means it's it's a process, which means I I'm not a reconstructionist rabbi. I'm a reconstructing oh. rabbi, which you know I, I it's I don't know if I fully like that. But what that means is we are always reworking and holding on, but maybe changing and playing around to come up with the Judaism that works for the world that we live in right now. It's always a process.
0: Okay. I like this because it sounds like there's there's two elements. There's the element of the constants of Judaism that I personally find... Wherever I go, whenever I meet a Jew, like I, I have to say pretty consistently, I can often guess if someone is Jewish and I don't, I don't mean if they look Jewish. I don't mean if they are wearing religious garb. I mean, if, and for the, excuse the hippy dippy explanation, but like if I get a vibe off of them.
1: Oh, I know what you mean. Are you Jewish? You seem Jewish. Yeah, I'm very Jewish. <laughs> See, I told you I can do it too.
0: <laughs> well, I'm wearing my on my payas.
1: Okay.
0: Um No, I, I can always, I can often sense it. And it's like, what is that piece that just come is just coursing through your veins that is just so Jewish? I And I sometimes I, I, I think, I don't know if you're a believer in intergenerational trauma, which that's a whole other topic. But I do think there is something to like passing down uh, not just our stories and not just our culture, but something innate, like something innate within us.
1: Oh, very much so. Yeah, and I think you know. I think here's what here's what I'm so most proud of about you know the the way that I see myself as a Jew and as, as a rabbi. That's we can call it that spark, that sense of I'm Jewish and I don't quite know what it is. And you kind yeah. of you were kind of trying to figure out what that meant. I would say, hold on to that, be passionate about it, and I you know our my community, you know uh, you know the J- Jewish tradition will hopefully find help you find out more about that spark of Judaism that you already have and with the understanding that you know our ancestors 500 years ago they were not one kind of Jew there were believe it or not Jews like you you know 500 years ago maybe not stand up comedians but you know at least uh, people who thought differently who asked big questions and if you are if someone tells you this is the kind of Jew you need to be to be Jewish I'm not sure if that's the most Jewish way to to, to, to you know, to tell someone to be Jewish. It has to start with who are you? What do you care about? What matters to you most? What is in your heart? Let's find that Jewish part of you and make, make blend it together. And and you can find who you are in Judaism.
0: Right on. I will say that telling somebody exactly how to be Jewish, it doesn't sound like something my mother would do or just like a Jewish mother in general. But other than that, um, I am curious about, uh, can women become rabbis? Uh, under Reconstructionism.
1: Of course. So only with a hint of humor, the question these days is, can men become rabbis? I was, ah. uh, so in my, I mean, I joke because the the movement, as with all faith groups, churches to women are now definitely, um, I'd say the majority of synagogues. And in my rabbinical school class, I was actually a minority being a straight man. Uh, so most, oh, really? most of my uh, classmates were either women or LGBT uh, to the point that, I mean, for in our community, I don't even think about it. I mean, this is the world I was brought up in. You know, not all, uh, most of my rabbinic friends are, are women. Of course, there are plenty of men, too. Uh, my Talmud teacher was, a, a, you know, a, uh, was an Orthodox man. Who, and you know, I had gay teachers uh, who, who taught, who, many of them who were raised Orthodox. And this, this world of just the diversity, women, LGBT people, you know, people who are raised Orthodox, people who are fully secular, we all get along. And we but yeah. we honor your truth, whether that truth is your whatever gender identity you you are, whatever, you know, whatever however you see faith, God, culture, yeah. we honor it, but we don't just say, You're okay, we'll let you come in, be it be, be who you are, you're not gonna be challenged. Just we accept everything about you. We do accept everything about you, but I also, as I said, I hope that you can find that spark and learn more about what makes you special and how you connect with Judaism.
0: We love it. Yeah, love to hear good. That. I mean, I think also, um, I think it's important to see faith leaders that are diverse and faith leaders that like represent, uh, their congregants, because I, I, you know, I'd imagine, um, you know, like, even if, even if there isn't as much of a, uh, a power disparity, that is still the, that's, that's like the face of the congregation. That's the person that you associate with them, with, with that uh, synagogue, with maybe that movement. And I would imagine that if you see only uh, straight white men or straight men, straight cis men um, representing, you know, like I, I would imagine that even if you were told that your lifestyle is validated or you were told that it's okay to be ABCD and it wouldn't feel like it's okay. Um... So that makes me very happy to hear.
1: Yes. And in fact, it's uh, some, I, you know, being, I can call it raised as a rabbi in in that kind of context. I, I understand the fact that I am a cisgender straight man, you know, and all of that in in a community, you know, here in Montreal where most of the rabbis are actually men. Um, I do all that I can to make sure that women, you know, are leading in the community. Yeah, you know, we, and in our, in Reconstructionist Judaism too, gender matters. We make sure I never refer to God as a he because God is not a he. God is beyond gender and all gender and everything that goes along with that. So when we say God, I don't say Lord at home. You know, I actually don't say Lord our God. I say spirit of the universe. I don't say king because I don't connect with that. Although I do believe in God. Yeah. We take seriously gender. And as you said, I can't say that we accept people unless I'm also making sure that on the bema of the synagogue, we have women we have secular Jews we have people who are more traditional and we have LGBT people and gender queer people and everyone otherwise I then I'm just becoming the rabbi who is saying this is the only, I'm how you have to be Jewish and right. I simply don't believe that
0: um I love this while we're here I am curious I guess I'll frame it like what emotions do you feel when you think about God
1: so if I may pull the Reconstructionist trick here. Please. Before I, you ask me, tell me what you think of God.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I think of God, and I'm going to preface it by telling you that um, I have come to the idea that I may even believe in some kind of God very recently. Wow. And um, In the past
1: 20 minutes, right?
0: Yeah, this conversation has been illuminating. Uh, it's been an awakening.
1: Ten points for me. Great. Ten points, ten <laughs>
0: points for you. Um, I think of God, well, uh, I'll tell you what I – I'll tell you what I can tell you. Okay. I have felt God. Um, I have felt God through my senses. I um, can't. Ex- I can't uh, give it. Give God any attributes, but I can associate it with a few experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, learning, like mm-hmm. jumping in knowledge, uh, like like uh, if I'm learning something and I go from um, a, a knowledge gap to the next layer in knowledge. I I like feel God in those moments. I feel God when I'm meditating. But I can't name God. And I actually don't even know if I would call it God because I so identify it with a monotheistic God, but it's something really potent that's not hum- that that doesn't have ego or humanity.
1: So I'm sorry to say this, you are so reconstructionist. <laughs> <laughs> so the reality is, you know, the same verb of reconstructing Judaism God for me is a verb. And actually, God for me is a verb, not a gerund, because I still don't know what that is. No one does. What that means is God, you know, I don't believe, I personally, although many people in my community do, I personally do not believe in a supernatural God. And I know for many people, this comes as a shock. I believe deeply in God. I am religious. I do not believe there's a God that I worship who is outside of the sphere of my reality. I believe the Torah was written by human beings with all the baggage that goes along with that, but at the same time was written by God, because God works through us. Now, yeah. what I mean by that is um, when, you, when you, as you said, learn or do something good for someone else, when you see someone on the street who is in need of your help, that inner pull that just says, I know what I'm supposed to do is right, that for me is godliness. When you, if For people who fall in love or for people who experience tragedy and get support and love from community members or friends and family, and you overcome pain and suffering, god that's godliness uh so you know god is a process too and as you you might believe also some mornings you know i think i believe i kind of believe in a almost more supernatural god that's something that's you know because things is uh, the day when everything else, everything works out perfectly i haven't yeah. haven't had those since you know march of last year but uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know but then there are days where i think i this god's not working for me today But if I see here, here's how I think about it. So you said learning all those other moments where you aren't sure, but you experience something. God is in between. God is in between you and what that is happening or what you're experiencing. So in our community, God is a English Christian word. It is not I don't saying you believe in in God or don't believe in God. I don't care. My question is, what do you believe in? Do you believe in com- that you can be compassionate? Do you believe that the world needs fixing? Do you believe that people can be, are good, but there's problems that go along with that? And the question that, that I hope everyone can hold on to is not whether or not you believe or don't, but being on a search for something that you do. So this is a, maybe this isn't a harsh term, but when someone says, I don't believe in God, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cop-out. Wonderful. So tell me what you do believe, and then we can talk.
0: Yeah it's funny because so so embarrassed to admit this but um i the pandemic as was a very challenging time for all of us and my way of coping was to get very into crystals
1: no. and
0: um <laughs> i was not previously into anything uh you know esoteric or hip, hip, or like hip, crunchy granola and i don't know I, and i couldn't quite explain why um and I, on my podcast, I was going on a whole rant about it, and and like really feeling the need to compensate, um, or like to 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 say, oh, oh, no, you know, like I know this is silly, and I know there's no scientific explanation, but maybe eventually there will be, and blah 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 blah. And what I came <laughs> to in my head is like, who maybe crystals are? I'm putting this in quotes. Real? Who who knows? Who cares? Maybe science explains everything, but also even if science. Even if we just don't know uh, the exact science behind certain things that feel mystical to us right now, and we eventually find out, oh, this is the scientific mechanism behind it. Who cares? It's still mystical. It still felt mystical to us in that moment. And and the fact that science is responsible for that is even cooler. You you know, like it doesn't take away from that mystical or like transcendental experience that we can concretely explain it or that it's human or whatever.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think, so, you know, I, I actually, before I became a rabbi, before I even went to university, I, I went through a little Buddhist phase, like, you know, we, we, Jubus, boos There are actually quite a few.
0: I have a Buddhist symbol on the back of my neck.
1: There you go. Uh, I may have a Buddhist upstairs near the dining room table, where a Buddha where we celebrate Shabbat. Yeah, but uh, nice. the, the, here's the reality. That level, that spirituality that, you know, the, 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 whatever you call what you found in the crystals, whatever you find in, you know, meditation, yoga, all of these things, uh-huh. Judaism has that. And what I realized very quickly when I started studying, you know, popular Kabbalah at the time or, you know, even the Talmud. We have a weekly Talmud class at our, at, in our community where we study the same text that all the Orthodox Jews are studying. But what, what we find is, oi, do they cover everything. They cover, you know, they cover uh, superstitions that I thought were just superstitions. They cover the Zodiac, you know, uh, they cover, I'm sure they cover, cover crystals and Chinese food and everything else that's important to us. <laughs> it's all in there and the point is everything can be Jew- jewish it can, can be connected with judaism the mysticism the food you know you think you think that uh just uh, you know uh, watching tv or you know having an argument with a friend or you know eating dinner or how you how you what kind of shampoo you use i mean you look at the talmud you look at our tradition there's a place to find spirituality and connection in all aspects of our life and if you just think you know for someone who thinks you know, I'm not religious. I don't go to synagogue. Okay. So for those two hours, once a week, you're not being religious, but you're, I'm sure you're doing plenty of quote unquote religious things the rest of your week. Are you a good person? Do you do some sort of spirituality? Do you play music? Do you, you know, do you, are you an organic farmer? You know, all of these things, there's something else that's there. And I would call that reclaiming and reconstructing that English word. I would call all of the above religious.
0: Okay, that I can get on board with. Yeah, it works. Um, I am curious about, you went to Poland for a year, yes? And you yes. were a rabbi at a synagogue there. Um, I went to Poland, I think I was maybe 15. I went on March of the Living.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Way, way too young, I think, to go and like really get a sense of... It was almost too much to process. It was almost too overwhelming to process. We visited camps, and I think uh, a lot of us were a little too young to to really understand it especially because it was a uh, like a bus full of 15 year olds so you have the juxtaposition of like you know oh like brandon doesn't have a crush on me back with like the <laughs> holocaust it was it was a it was a very intense weird experience and i want i wish i had been a little older i would go back um because i think what i was avoiding the the reason i was i had i sort of shut down and made a lot of jokes and I think what I was avoiding is that I could viscerally feel the trauma of, yes, of the Holocaust course. being there. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like as a rabbi, as a person who connects with Judaism strongly, obviously, like what, what basically what was it like to be in Poland um, and to be so close to that memory?
1: Well, see, it was an interesting experience. Uh, you know, I, I was there a little less than a year. Uh, long story. They, they love me, but let's just say they, they didn't have enough funding to keep my family, myself there. So I would have stayed longer. Yeah. Let me Let me just... I think I can explain it best through a, a very short story. Love so, her. my interview weekend, I was actually there for Tisha B'Av, which is you know the probably the one of the least celebrated Jewish holidays, where we, we remember the destruction of the temple and many tragedies throughout Jewish history. Um, and I, you know, in our communities, and in, in I was in the U.S. at the time. Uh, you know, you what you do is you you really try to be sad. You try to you you know you. In fact, we're commanded you should try to cry and mourn. You know, if you can't get to get to the point where you're thinking of all the sad things throughout Jewish history. So I said to them, you know, it, it, it's traditionally we this is a sad time. You know, we, we reflect on the sad events throughout history. And and they they they, they you know, I, I had I had my guitar, but I didn't think anyone knew. So they they said, you know what? We're in Poland. We are surrounded by sadness. All the tourists who come here, all they, all they want to do is see Auschwitz. They, they come here and they, think, they, and they seem like, oh, you're just the remnant of this lost community. But you know what? Judaism is about life. And they said, I know this is supposed to be a sad day. And I know you're usually supposed to be mourning. But Rabbi, will you get out your guitar and can we sing? So it's, I mean, I may, may cry a bit thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So they, they all circled around me. And what I remember clearly more than anything, there I was in Warsaw, Poland. The yeah. first liberal Jewish community re- created after the Holocaust uh, in all of Poland, you know, where, where so many of us, you know, know our ancestry came from. And I was standing there singing on Tisha B'Av the day of mourning, Hava Nagila, with the, with the Jews dancing around me. And afterwards, and they said, they said to me, which is a lesson I'm holding with me, that is what Judaism is about. Heck yeah. So that's my Poland. Now there's, st- there's sadness. There's still concentration yeah. camps. You have to remember that. But if we, if we create a Judaism that is primarily about sadness or saying, go to shul because otherwise Hitler won or, you know, <laughs> make sure that, go, you know, I feel an obligation, but not a sense of joy, not a sense of, of just incredible curiosity and pride. Without that, Judaism is not going to survive. So, you know, Poland actually, believe it or not, led me to actually be more joyous in my Judaism after I left. and that, And I hold on to that experience in all that I do right now.
0: That is a really, really incredible story, Um, and I don't think we'll find a better way to end this conversation. So, um, (laughs) thank you so much. I I really, truly enjoyed uh, learning about being no reconstructing Judaism. That's That's how we say it.
1: That's right. Um,
0: And chatting with you. So, thank you so much.
1: That was wonderful. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Won't You Be My Rabbi. There are five episodes in this miniseries. You can hear them all at thecjn.ca slash b-my-rabbi. This show is edited and produced by Michael Freeman. Our music is by the underscore orchestra. I'm comedian Laura Lebo. You can check out my content on YouTube or follow me on Instagram at Laura Lebo to hear about upcoming shows.